Blog okay, so you guys, this, oh, so this is the Voices of the Cannabis Wars radio show, uh, where we are trying to bring you the news right from the front lines. Today we have an amazing show planned for you, as we're just waiting for George Monterano to call in. And the second he calls in, we're going to go right to George. But while we wait for George to call in, I'm just going to give you guys a little rundown of today's show. First of all, I'm going to let you know who we are. We are the Voices of the Cannabis War. We believe that no one should go to jail for a plant. Um, we are all volunteers. None of us get paid to do this show at all. So we are here um, to tell you what's going on. To the topic of today's show, we're sponsored by CCHI Radio. The topic of today's show is solitary confinement. Uh, first, we're going to hear from George Monterano, who spent 33 years of a life sentence um, in prison. He has a normal segment on the show. It's called Georgie's Corner. You can hear it usually about 9.45 a.m. However, this morning he's coming on early because he has to be off by 9.15. After George, we're going to hear from Eugene Fisher, who spent 25 years of a life sentence for cannabis, who is um, knows so much about solitary confinement. So he's also going to be a special guest on his own show because he is the host of the show as well. Um, so then on top of that, after after George and George and uh, in, in, um, after Eugene and uh, Eugene, we haven't got George on the line yet. He has not called in yet. So I'm just going to continue to introduce the show until he calls in. But after we talk to Eugene, um, who has been 25 years of a life sentence, we're going to talk to Craig Cecil, hopefully. Um, last week, he was unable to call in because he had to work from prison. And he, um, but the week before he was on lockdown, so he could not call in. So we have not heard from Craig for a couple weeks, um, but hopefully we will hear from Craig this morning and he could tell you what's been going on in his life. And shortly after Craig, we are going to hear from uh, Jeremy Duvall. Jeremy Duvall's father, Jerry Duvall, is in prison. Jeremy just got out, is on probation, I believe, still. And his father is in a medical prison. His father, um, Jeremy, and his dad were. Victims and his whole family were victims of the 2011 federal raids that swept our nation in 2011. The one, the same raids that killed killed my dad and sent my mom to prison. Um, so we're going to find out what's been going on with his dad because his dad has basically disappeared. His dad's uh, been in prison now for over five years, and they didn't know what was wrong. They found out he was on he was on uh, solitary confinement. Um, this man has been there for over a month, and they have not heard from him in over two weeks. They don't know why. Um, so we're going to just talk to his son, Jeremy, and find out what they're thinking and what the family's thinking. After Jeremy, we're going to talk to Mindy Griffiths, who is the producer of this show. Um, she's going to tell us a little statistics about solitary confinement. And then we're gonna. She's gonna let let us listen to a song on an interview that she did with Angela and Angelica Prey. Angelica's brother has been in prison. I don't. We don't even know for what, but he's been in solitary confinement confinement for five years. Um, and she wrote a song for her brother. So we are going to hear about that song, hear that song, uh, and hear an update from Mindy regarding the prisoners as well at about 10 o'clock. And after 10, we're going to hear from Stephanie Landa from Freedom Grow. And that's where Stephanie is going to tell us all about, um, Stephanie's going to be telling us all about her recent efforts on raising commissary money and all the prisoners that she sent it to, where she just recently raised over $3,000. And after that, we'll hear from Tom Corby, who is a chapter coordinator for the Northern California uh, 
part of the Human Solution International, and he will give us Northern California update because there's so many cases going on up there. It's crazy, and we'll find out um, the news from the front lines from him. So I'm going to introduce the other host of the show, Eugene Fisher, who spent 25 years of a life sentence. As we wait for George to call in, Eugene, what is how are you doing today, and what is solitary confinement? <laughs> okay, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine, Christian. Good morning, listeners. Um, yeah, let's talk about it while we're waiting for George to call in. Let's let's introduce this subject of this show. Uh, it's not just solitary confinement; it's lockdowns and all of the things that happen in prison. Um, let me frame it. For you and the listeners, uh, okay, you're incarcerated, many of us for the first time in our lives. And when we get into prison, we find that there's a system of punishment and, and further restrictions on your liberty while you're in prison. Uh, it's You might call it torture, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you Stephanie did, you, I heard you. I heard you and you and uh, you and um, George referred to it last week as prison within prison. That's right. That's what it is. Okay, so let's let's talk about lockdowns. This happens in all the prisons um, that are me- medium and higher security. In the camps, it does not happen. But I never got to a camp, of course. And what it is, Christian, is they lock you in your cell. Each cell is prepared with a steel door with a slot in it. The slot is so you can you can put pass food in and out without opening up the door. Uh, so you're in prison with limited liber- limited liberty there in the prison, but you can walk around. Normally you can walk around. You go to your jobs. You go to the rec rec yard and things like that. That you know maintain your humanity. Uh, you go to the mess hall and so on. You talk to your friends. But all of a sudden, lockdown comes up. Lockdown can, can occur for a number of reasons. It's always, always considered for security reasons. Uh, there's fog around. And they say because fog is inducive to allowing prisoners to escape. So we're going to lock everybody in their cells. And that throws everything else off. That's top schedule for that day. And that might be a short time lockdown just for the time the fog is there, maybe for an hour, maybe for a couple of hours. But then there are the disciplinary lockdowns. Something happens in the prison. There's a fight. People are, uh, something stolen. Uh, someone is threatened, whatever. And they lock the whole prison down or lock down one part of the prison. And that can happen, that can be for a day. I've been in it for as much as a couple of months. And a couple it gets months? Awfully yeah, 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 yeah. It, it can, um, uh, but that's not, that's not solitary confinement now. That's not the SHU, special housing unit. That's not uh, other types of confinement. In my prison stay, when I was moved, remember, I was a marijuana prisoner, but they considered me, because I got a life sentence for marijuana, they considered me highly dangerous. I've never had any violence in my life. They 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 just put that label on me. And when I was moved, yeah, you couldn't imagine you ever being violent, Eugene. Excuse me. I said I just couldn't imagine you ever being violent. No, I, I'm not, <laughs> Christian. Thank you. 
I'm not and never was. Okay, I'm a pacifist. I, I, I look for peaceful ways of resolving disputes and everything else. But they black box me and they put me in solitary confinement during transportation. Um, black box means your your hands are confined. They put you in handcuffs and on top of the handcuffs they put an apparatus uh, that make it doesn't allow you to move your arms and hands. And so you oh. you're, you're you put in a bus and you transport it. Okay, you got shackles on your. Uh, uh, and, and in addition to that, they shackle. They put a shackle around your mid waist, tying into the handcuffs, and your hands are now immobile in this black box, and and your ankles are also chained together. And then you put in the bus, and you transport it, a bus or airplane, and it it takes it can take days. To do it, they, they sometimes they have stopovers and they lay you lay you over in another place. And imagine this, Christian. Say you're on the in the bus for ten hours. Now, obviously, first thing that comes to mind when you're in the bus for ten hours, you gotta you gotta take care of yourself and you gotta you gotta go to the bathroom, right? So there's yeah. a, a bathroom in the back of the bus. You have to you shuffle over there and you can hardly move your arms even to to take your you know, to take the pants down so you can properly uh, urinate or anything else. Wow. And it's, it, it, is re- it is really misery. I can't express enough of that. It's misery and it's torture. Uh, I was locked up once for, for uh, a period of one year in a steel cage and, and they, for an accusation of violence. Again, I, I maintain there's no violence ever in me or my case or anything. And they had me in a, in a small steel cage. It was so, it was, uh, the, the, this was in Atlanta and it gets cold there. The winters were pretty bad and the summers were sweltering and there was no air conditioning or heating or anything else. And you can barely move around in this case. And it was, it was, 24-hour lockdown. They'd let you out sometimes to uh, a couple of times a week to take a shower. But other than that, you wouldn't even get out. And they'd let you use the phone, say, maybe once a month to talk to people so on I the have outside. A, I have a question about that, Eugene. So you're on lockdown for a year in solitary confinement because they – some there's, there's violent, okay? But wouldn't be – I mean, how does that – after a year – do you feel maybe a little vicious? Like I, I don't know. I, I would be so angered after a year. Like oh, yeah. to me, that yeah, you, you go through the whole range you the whole, in the first place. You're absolutely right because you go through the whole range of emotions: anger, frustration, fear, sadness. They're all there. I, I, I was so. Christmas came while I was in this long term. Uh, detention, and, and and for the detention, all they have to say is they don't have to have any proof. It's like a conspiracy theory. All they have to say is we're investigating. They don't even have to tell you what they're investigating, and they keep you there. And I, it got so bad. Christmas came once while I was there, and I, I I had a Bible. They give you a couple. There's a book part that comes around, and you can take things off of it, like Bibles and other things. And I, 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 I said a prayer. I said, God, tell me, tell me what, 
what's happening in my life, what happens next. And the Bible fell from my hands and opened up to the book of, of Job in the Old Testament, which is the book of the man who get, gets the very rich and powerful man who loses everything, pestilence and loses family and everything. And and and, and then he's tried and, and goes through all of these trial periods. And in the end, in the end, God brings him back, lets him come back to life and reestablish himself. And I looked at, at that as a sign. Um, the warden would come that's by. That's what happened example. to you, though. That's really what happened to you. You It's like you came back to life, and now you are reestablishing yourself. Absolutely, Christian. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but, you know, Job, the scars that were there for Job are there for every prisoner. Now, my, my, my beloved friend, Chris, Mindy, who is also our executive director of this program, said, when I say it, she doesn't like me to say it, that we're damaged goods. Long-term prisoners come out with some psychological problems, okay? And I'm going to be the first to admit it. Uh, you know, you can't go through these things without it, okay? I've, I've seen people commit suicide, Christian, because of, of lockdowns and because of uh, uh, they, were st- they were unstable people to begin with, but then they're, they're put in segregation, and it, it, I, I, it, it'll drive you crazy. It really will. It really will. There's a book, a famous book called The Belly of the Beast of a young guy in a state prison in mid- Midwestern America, and they put him in as a child, like he's like 13 or 14 years old. They put him in five years solitary confinement with no contact with anyone else, and he comes out of it bitter, totally deranged. And, you know, there's a prison now in the United States of America, in in Colorado, maximum security, super max, they call it, with his total sensory deprivation. That means in the lockdown, in, in the segregations I was in, in the lockdowns I was in, you could at least talk to some people. In sensory deprivation prisons, there's no contact whatsoever. They'll talk to the prisoner through the television. They'll read. They'll put his letters that come in on the TV screen. He'll go out to exercise by himself. The doors will be electronically opened, and he'll go out and walk around and come back. Can you imagine that, Christian? Can you imagine? No. And this no. actually is our system that does it. We talk about other countries, but I'm telling you what we do in our system. Guantanamo Bay is, a, is an area, area of great concern to so many people in America because we torture people there, what we do to them. And some of those people there, Muslims, whether they're Muslim terrorists or not, I can't judge. But I can say this. I know the treatment given them, no trials or anything else, just considered enemy combatants and just locked away. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the same t- type of thing, but in a different scale in our all of our prisons in the United States, in the prisons where there are 2.2 2. 2 or 2.5 million people uh, presently incarcerated, Christian. These things happen. You can Okay, so I have a question. Okay, so it's about 
and George was supposed to call in about nine. And George Monterano, yeah. um, for our listeners, he served 33 years of a life sentence, and he has a regular segment on our show. But this morning, he's extremely busy and was going to have to be off by 9.15. So I'm going to assume at this point that George isn't going to call in. And, Eugene, I was just wondering if you would tell us a little bit, did you ever go on lockdown? Because George and Eugene were really, really close friends <laughs> in prison. I, I, and I, I'm I, just wondering. I, I like, yes, George and I are, are, are like brothers. I, I have several of them. Randy Lanier is another one, my co-defendant and so on. People in prison, like prisoners who've gotten out, like Larry Duke and others, uh, Billy Deacon and so on. Uh, Kenny Kavinsky is still incarcerated. Uh, Tom Tom Raines who's uh, just being transferred. I can go on and on and met, 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 You're gonna free them all, Eugene. We're, all your friends are gonna get out soon. I swear we're gonna free them all. Well, that's why I'm involved, and that's why they did the thing uh, on my my life, which which is called a, a marijuana prisoner who's released, is working to help get others out. Because our group, Val, you and I and Mindy and those involved with us, with our group, our, our purpose is to help people in prison, help them get out and doing things. And we are helping prisoners get out. Um, so you asked me a question if I, if I was ever on lockdown. You can't do the amount of time that some of us do, these long-term sentences, without spending, I'm going to say, Anywhere from from a quarter to forty percent of your of your time in lockdowns or segregation. Wow, wow. Yeah. Did so, you, yes. did George ever go on lockdown while you were there, or vice versa, to oh, where you sure. guys were? Oh, what sure. was that like when your friend would disappear off to lockdown or or off to solitary confinement, or you would disappear and you know you couldn't talk to your friend no more? What was what was that like? Well, when you're in lockdown, you do all kinds of ways, things to try to communicate with other people. One is what we say is is sending kites to other cells. Kites are little slips of paper with messages on them. And and prisoners become ingenious in slipping them under the door and being able to push them, uh, to to propel them down the hallway to another cell and so on. And we pass messages like that and so on. Uh, so you look for all kinds of ways of communicating, even though you're not there with with your with your friends. And usually in your cell, you've got a cellmate. But if it's a, if it's a long term lockdown, if it's a week or more, it gets awfully boring. There's nothing with nothing to do. I mean, you might have some reading materials. Uh, you cut off from even showering and doing those things, and you eat bologna sandwiches. It's pretty depressing. Um. So. I've noticed that, that George, he's he's a big writer, and he's wrote all kinds of books, and he did a lot of writing while he was in lockdown. Yeah, I, I, um, I'll talk from personal. You, Absolutely. You do, it's one of the things you do to pass time. And what, when I was once in solitary confinement, remember now we're talking about two things, Christian. The shoe, a solitary confinement. Right, right. And, and lockdown, lockdown is something a little bit different. I keep I keep calling solitary confinement lockdown by accident. No, they're, they're two different things. Lock, uh, uh, lockdown is you're locked in your cell where you normally live. The, the thing right, is right, right. They, they lock the door and you can't get out. And you're, the, the shoe is, is an area of the prison separated from the rest of the prison where they take you for disciplinary reasons or for investigation. And uh, it, it's they're both very depressing. 
in in the shoe, one of the depressing things is you're never certain when you're going to get out. Can you write there? I, I compose in my you, head. Determines, who determines who determines how and when you get out? Well, first of all, there's a captain on the compound. The captain on the compound, under the warden, is in charge of security, and he uh, he's the one who coordinates with, who goes to the shoe and so on. There's a warden and the captain and sometimes other officers on the compound who determine you're getting out. And it, it, it's, it, there's a regular process. There's a, there's, a, there's a hearing process. We laugh at it. Prisoners laugh at the hearing process because it isn't any, there's no justice in it. It just goes on huh. that way. Yeah. Um, Long-term prisoners like George and I, marijuana prisoners especially, usually have very clean records, no shots, no disciplinary reports. That doesn't mean we haven't been in both lockdowns on the compound. Like I say, anywhere from 25 to 40% of our time in prison is spent that way or in segregation for various things. Because of my maximum security status, because of my life sentence, not because of anything I was accused of, but because of what they gave me. When I was transported, Christian, they would they would keep me in lockdown in between in the trip. Say we were going cross country, or uh, sometimes what happens in in, the, in in prison, people don't realize this. In the BOP, the Bureau of Prisons, the federal prison system, when you're transported from one point to another, it isn't the most direct way. If you come and say from from uh, central uh, from from uh, say Kentucky and you're going up to Pennsylvania and a transport this ha- actually happened to me they might take you first down south to Oklahoma and then maybe over to o- over to Atlanta and then from Atlanta another in between point and finally so it'll take it might take you a week or more the transportation. And in the evenings when you when the bus stopped or when the, you got to a plane, the plane came down to, a, to an airport, they put you, again, because of my status, they put me in solitary confinement in between. Oh, wow. And, and, yeah, and when you're in that kind of confinement, you, you lose your, your rights to the telephone and everything else. So, um. uh, like, Stephanie was going to talk in a little while, and her son's in a state system. They won't even let him talk to her for the first six months. Right. And that, that's very depressing for the family. They don't know where you are. My family sometimes would go right. crazy trying to figure out where I was. Well, we're going to talk to Jeremy Duvall in a little bit, who just got out of prison. His dad is in a medical prison. Um, and we're going to find out what it's like to have a family member disappear. Um, my dad My dad went to um, – in, my dad's been on lockdown before, and that made me worry, but none of my family members were ever in solitary confinement. So that's that, that we're going to hear from Jeremy Duvall about how it affects the family because I know he's been so worried sick about his dad because he's in a medical Absolutely. prison. Now you, I have a question for you. So we're talking about medical prisons and Jeremy Duvall's dad being in one and being in solitary confinement. What is solitary confinement in a medical prison? Do, is it the same as in a regular prison? 
Because you were in a in yeah. medical prison before. It doesn't matter. So, it doesn't matter your status unless you're terminally you know, ill and dying and can't do anything with you, and you're in the hospital. Then they might you might not experience these things because you're so far gone that they can't do anything. But in like in a medical facility, there'll be portions of it. I was I spent the last four years in North Carolina, in Butner. In, in a medium size, there were four, five prisons. There one hospital and four prisons. And we had all the same lockdowns and all the same detentions and shoe and everything else. Yes. Well, do you still get taken care of, like, in, when you're in solitary confinement? As, as I mean, do they treat you medically the same, which isn't very well, but do they do they offer you the Not same medical well, services? It's a joke. What happens it, do they offer you the same jokes in solitary confinement, too? When you're, when you're in lockdown, what will occur is the following. If you have medications that you're supposed to be taking, they'll come. They won't open your door. You're still, your cell door is locked. Remember I told you there's a little slot in it where they can slip things through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 uh, the nurses and the, the people on the, in, the, in, the, in the medical area will come by with medications and give them out. Unless you're critical, critically ill, though, and you have to see a doctor, you won't see a doctor. You lose mm-hmm. all of that. Wow. Yeah, and like That's I say, crazy. through that slot so they the pass you. So the whole could really could could end a life. I mean, it could be it could. I mean, oh, even if yeah. you didn't take your own life, it could kill someone off who who is is very very sick. It could be the end for somebody. You may not Absolutely. come out of the hole. You can, may not come out of the hole alive. You may may not come out of the whole hole. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> there've been lots of lawsuits on that, Christian. The people who've been wow. killed in the in, and that worries me. That worries me about Jerry Duvall being in the hole because, you know, he is really sick in a medical prison, and being in the hole, you know, that's that's more more worry on your already sick body too. You know, you have to sit there and how I mean to be to be healthy and in the hole. Would be something mind blowing, but imagine if you were already oh, real I'll sick. I'll tell you another know. story uh, about the whole Christian. Uh, these are secrets that are kept from the public. Uh, for those people considered very dangerous, mm-hmm. in the sense that maybe they've attacked a guard, or they're very violent and so on. It never happened to me, but I know people it's happened to. They'll take you in and they'll do what they call four point restraints. What does that mean? Okay, I'll describe it as quickly as I can. Your hands are tied to to two points. Your legs are tied to two other points. You're stripped of all clothing, and you can't move, and you're left like that. Four string detention, and it happens. It happens. There's also cases of guards... Now, not the majority, but I've been in, in in detention areas where guards abuse the prisoners and will sometimes beat them up. They'll have them handcuffed and beat them up. That has happened. Aww. I believe it. Um, they did one mean thing to my dad once, and I know what they did to him was torture. So I can see them, how they would get aggressive to people. Um, we've got Mindy. Mindy is sending me a few things on the back end, and... Um, she was just sending something that says that they can restrain you to chairs, hog tie you, forced cell extraction, um, 
that they could also limit your reading material so you can't read books or anything like that? Can you get mail? Yes, you can get mail. Sometimes they withhold the mail. Sometimes they give you limited reading material. Um, they can they can restrain you if, for example, sometimes prisoners to react to injustice will go on hunger strikes. Well, they can make a determination if you're on a hunger strike that you must be force fed. So they put a, a, a hose down your throat and force feed the prisoner. So all of those things can happen and do happen in our system. Mindy's um, Eugene, I just want all, yeah, um, all the listeners to know it's it's getting up to be about 9:30, and it's getting to be about the time that Craig Cecil, who's serving 13th year of his life sentence for cannabis, it calls into our radio show, and he has not been able to call for the last two weeks. Uh, one of the weeks he was just, I believe, in solitary confinement. Or on lockdown, I'm not, he was on lockdown, okay. Okay, so he's going to talk to us about what it felt like to be on lockdown that week, and he'll also tell us about his experiences with solitary confinement, hopefully, if he does call in. Now, he sent a message to Mindy and told Mindy that as long as there's no emergencies, that he actually, oh, I thought that was him. Remember, Christian, he's going to be limited in the extent he can't tell you the things I've been saying on the program this morning, some of them, because right. if he does say them, they'll definitely take retribution in the system. Wow. Can't, yeah, that, that wow. happens. Yeah, he uh, might go on lockdown. Uh, no, he won't go on lockdown. They'll put him in detention. Well, Eric, in here's, here's one I yeah. want to make. Um, before he comes on the show, if he does call in, I just want everybody to know that he actually risks risks this happening to him. He risks going on solitary confinement every week um, by calling our show. Calling our show can get him in big trouble, and he does it, and he risks it. So when you guys hear the, the voice of Craig Cecil, just realize that voice is being brought to you from so many different roles. Oh, and there he is right here. Um, hold on, you guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull in Craig. Eugene, keep talking to people while I answer this. Yeah, Please. you know, uh, Craig Cecil is a very brave and valiant person in doing what he does. Like Christian said, he comes on our program, speaks freely, and the prison authorities so far have allowed him to do it, but he does it, he carries that risk with him all the time. So he'll be coming on here any second now. This is countdown occurring. Good morning, Craig. We're so happy to finally hear your voice again. <laughs> now we're no longer on lockdown like we were last Sunday. <laughs> oh. Hello, Craig. Welcome back. Hello, Gene. Uh, I'm back. I was, Gene. I was trying to, I was trying to tell everybody in the first part of our show before you came on what lockdown and the shoe was and how it's prison within prison and the conditions, the horrible conditions, and so on. Uh, that that occur and what it does to you and to your family. Well, for one, it cuts us off from, you know, any telephone or any email or, you know, a bunch of communication. So at best we can get snail mail, you know, communication back and forth. But oftentimes that doesn't suffice for, like, people that had visitors coming, you know, that were on the way and things of that nature. And a lockdown, like our lockdown last week, was not because there was a big prison fight or a big security concern. 
It was a punishment to the prisoners because one of the prisoners got caught with a cellular phone. Oh, everybody? Yes. Basically because they're angry that their staff member was corrupted and brought in a cell phone to an inmate. So you're you're saying... Why would you put him in solitary confinement? Why would you all be punished on lockdown? Why wouldn't they just put him in solitary confinement? Well, they did. They put him in solitary confinement, and they put the rest of us on lockdown for five days. Wow. And they went, they went one step beyond what they usually do. They typically bring us a couple of milks for breakfast. This call is from a federal prison. Maybe a little cereal and a piece of fruit, but this lockdown, they've went to all three meals a day were the same. It was one slice of bologna, two slices of cheese, four slices of bread, and an apple. For all three, three meals: breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh, are you? Is it still like that? Are you still eating that? No, no, we're back to, you know, our normal food at this point. But, uh, I mean, the, just a slice of turkey bologna just really isn't all that nutritious anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think they should have a. Uh, they should have to follow some standards when it comes to feeding you. Period. Um, right. Wow. So, well, we're glad you're okay. I'm really happy to hear your voice. Um, I'm sorry about that you had to had to suffer with bologna sandwiches for that week. Um, that's a pretty popular thing I've noticed is cell phones in prison. Um, you know, does that seem like something that, that always goes on in your prison? Well, I mean, it happens. It's not all that common, but it happens. Typically, what happens is. One of the staff members is paid a significant amount of money to bring an inmate a cell phone. And that's, you know, typically how they come in, typically, you know, how it's done, how, to, you know, how inmates come to have cell phones. And I don't know, really, it, you know, I, I'm surprised they don't look at their staff members a little bit more. I wonder, yeah, it all could also be a possible setup all from the beginning, too. You never know. Um, I'm, I'm that's crazy. So I just want to let you know, Craig, the topic of today's show is actually solitary confinement. So anything you would like to say about it or anything you'd like um, our listeners to hear, what your personal events in solitary confinement have been like or anything like that, we would love to hear about them. Uh, my longest term in solitary confine- confinement was 90 days. Wow. And, uh, and 90 days sure seems a lot longer when, you, when you're sitting there <laughs> really not much to do and you know uh the, there's really not much uh to these solitary confinements and as you know there's been a bunch of studies finding that it it either causes or it exacerbates you know uh, uh mental illness and that's yeah. why you know as we hear about suicides the most common place to hear about a suicide is in the shoe in the special housing unit where people are held you know in solitary confinement and it's just so frequent that you hear about that so if you're suicidal in solitary confinement well they they're supposed to they they a person from the psychological department comes by each shoe cell window once a week and they basically look at you and they ask are you okay and and if you answer them yep you know they they just keep on going i mean it's not wow. it's not 
not much of an evaluation. <laughs> well, oh, shame on them. Shame, 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 shame on them. That's well, as you know, there's, there's a push recently to to try to get away from the solitary confinement, and I, I think that is a step in the right direction. Definitely. Shame on them. Wow. I've heard some really, really horrible things about solitary confinement just in the last 36 minutes of this show. I'm not I'm not impressed at all with what I've heard. It's very, very disturbing. Um, to, uh, Eugene was telling us about how he was on solitary confinement for a year at one point. And it, as he'll tell you, it, it's ugly, especially hearing... You know, down the corridor, down the hall, in the solitary, in the shoe area, in the solitary confinement area. You hear people, I mean, there's people that just kind of shriek day and night. And you know they're suffering of some sort of mental illness and all that. And they're just left to to sit in there and shriek. And there's quite a number of people that die in solitary confinement. Yeah, we were, we were just talking about how if your health is in jeopardy, you could be... More susceptible, more susceptible to death in solitary confinement than you would be in one solitary confinement. Oh, that's very common. Uh, you hear of people in all kinds of different, you know, medical disorders, and in solitary confinement, they're basically just left in there to die. That that's common. That's um, common, um, we're going to hear than it should be. After after we're off the phone with you, we're going to hear from Jeremy Duvall, who just got out of federal prison. His father is still in federal prison, in a medical prison, who has basically been in the hole, and they've lost contact with him over the last two weeks. So, we're I'm you know we're we're trying to bring some attention to that situation, um, just after you. But I I noticed Craig is so beautiful. I saw a video of your sweet precious daughter. Um, advocating for people to sign your petition um, to try to help get you freed. I've heard that it exists. I, I don't know the. I don't know anything of what's in it, but I, I know it's that sexy. it exists. I saw it. Yeah. But uh, from what I understand, the petition, uh, as of yesterday, is up to 124,000 signatures. Yes, I noticed that too. Yes, I noticed that too. That's phenomenal. And uh, uh, Lauren, my daughter, tells me that a bunch of the people entering the petition now are people from other countries. And I I suppose they're compelled by looking at, you know, why is somebody in the United States in prison for life for marijuana? I mean, how can this even happen? Well, for our listeners, if you want to sign Craig's petition, just Google uh, change.org Craig Cecil petition, and it will come right up. You'll be able to see his daughter's video asking you why you should sign the petition to free your dad, and you'll be able to sign it. And you can add to the numbers, and you can share it, and you can put it everywhere. So um, I'm going to share that petition on my Facebook wall right now if you're looking for the link. Thank you, because I honestly believe, especially the the huge bulk of support that that petition has received and I've received, I think that it's got to help my petition get noticed at the pardon attorney's office or by the White House. Right. Um, so, Craig, last week when you couldn't come on the show, um, one of your advocates 
uh, Mike Harris, who is a huge advocate for you, called into the show on your behalf and told us a lot of your story and a lot about the corruption that went behind what, why, why you ended up in prison. So I just want to let you know that you have some people, some diehard advocates out there that just love you and was there to um, take your spot and let people know what's going on with you when you couldn't be there. So um, I just want to let you know what a, what a nice person he was um, to come talk, talk about you on the show. This call is from a federal prison. Well, thank you, and thanks to him. And he's been phenomenal. What, a, what an investigator he is. I know. <laughs> I've actually learned more about my co-defendants, my lawyer, my entire case. I've learned more from Mike in the last two years than in the entire time since my arrest. Wow. I mean, there were so many things I didn't know that I am now learning and Mike's finding through his own research. So wow. I think his calling is as an investigator. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. He is. Yeah, he is amazing. I was really impressed with everything that he had to say for you. It was, just, it was really cool. But thank you because, you know, that, that's what's going to make the difference to us is, you know, why are we, why are, you know, we even here and why is Tony Biscaro still in prison, you know? Oh, man, I know. Had he committed murder, he would have probably been paroled by now. Yeah, and for our listeners, Antonio Biscaro has been in there for 36 years. Um, I believe he's 71 or 74 years old or something like that. And his daughter wants him home immediately, along with your daughter. All these daughters want their dads home. <laughs> All the kids do. I can understand that. And, you know, back under the, when, in 1983, when he was uh, convicted and sentenced, had he been convicted and sentenced of murder, his sentence would have been parolable. He would have been eligible for parole after 10 years. Yeah. And at 30 years, his two-thirds state, most likely he would have been um, paroled on his on his 30-year date from murder, but yet he remains in prison for marijuana. Well, well that always breaks my heart when you share those type of statistics to know that a nonviolent charge will hold you forever in prison, but if you actually kill someone and hurt someone, you can get out. Right, because the, the drug statute provides right in it that uh, – that a conviction under that drug statute, you know, cannot be paroled. And that's what that's what Tony's held by. And I I believe Gene was, a, you know, also held under the same same umbrella. <laughs> yeah, uh, Greg, to be to tell you very succinctly, I would have been eligible for, for, for parole except they convicted me of a CCE, continuing criminal enterprise, for marijuana. Okay. That's what they did with Tony. That's why they can keep him. Right. And, I mean, you have to look at that, you know, where there's a minimum 30-year sentence on it. You know, it, it just doesn't fit. It doesn't no. fit any drug drug offense. Why do you think they do that, Craig? Why do, you, why do you think that you can go to life for prison? I mean, I have my own thoughts, but what are yours as a prisoner? Why do you think you can go to life for prison and not for a murder? Well, it started years ago under the Controlled Substances Act, and uh, it was just pumped up several different times to keep raising the uh, uh, 
the statutory maximum the the range that that the law allows them to sentence a drug offender to because it was a huge rise in the 1970s and even into the 1980s in the United States in violent crime. And since they couldn't figure out how to stem the violent crimes, they blamed drugs. They said that basically drugs were the root of all violent crimes. So they started punishing drugs, and, and including marijuana, more harshly than the violent crimes, thinking that that would stop violent crime. Well, it really hasn't. <laughs> I mean, the right. violent crimes have went down, but it's not because of the drug prosecutions. So, so since you were on lockdown, they, um, the president released 51 and 59 more, um, not more prisoners, and only one of them was cannabis. The rest of them were um, other drugs. Why do you think it was only one cannabis and all the other ones um, not cannabis-related? Well, I, I think there's a push on for uh, for crack cocaine charges, and I believe I counted uh, 33 of the 58 were for uh, uh, crack cocaine charges. Okay. But uh, now we hope we can get the president to really look at, you know, how America feels about especially how they feel about us marijuana prisoners being here. And and you're doing that. You're putting the message out, and I I think you are getting heard. And it was 124,000 signatures say that people are hearing that that at least I'm here. (laughs) Well, we want you free. We want you home. I heard the beep. That means that you're going to be cut off in a second. Great. Well, thank you for for all those signatures. Thank you for all your exposure. I really – this this is what's – all right, you guys, that was Craig Cecil. Craig Cecil is serving a life sentence in prison for cannabis, and was um, he's on his 13th year. So um, remember, this why the show is about solitary confinement. He risks going on solitary confinement every single week to call into our show to get his powerful, beautiful voice heard. Um, so if you could go to, uh, we just went to Voices of the Cannabis War and posted a link to his his uh, petition and we just posted it on my Facebook wall so if you guys can go get that link and share it that would be beautiful um, Eugene is there anything you want to say about Craig's call yeah uh, I want to answer a question you made to Craig and Craig gave mm-hmm. a good answer but I, uh, why are there so many people incarcerated with long sentences and life sentences for nonviolent uh, crimes it all came out of our, our whole push and the drug with the drug war, which Richard Nixon started, and all, every president has continued, which is an, a total failure in every aspect. But 50% of our prisoners in prison today in the United States are on some kind of drug drug charges. In other words, rather than look at the problem of drug abuse. As a medical problem, it was looked on as made criminal, and that's one why there were so many people incarcerated and why it expanded so radically. Uh, for the first wow. time now, Christian, uh, with the, the new heroin epidemic that's on, that's hitting middle-class America. It's hitting America that before didn't know what was happening, for the first time, now there's discussion of, uh, you know, th- there's a way of, of, of getting someone for, uh, off an OD, an overdose, 
and saving their lives. So many people die of uh, heroin uh, and and other hard drug overdoses. There's a new drug out that will stop it. And they just approved it on a congressional basis because someone said, hey, those are our kids that are dying. Right. Well, those were those are our kids that are going to prison. That's, right, that's right. what must be focused. Uh, so well, many countries we- now are looking at the drug war as an abysmal failure, including two of our neighbors, Mexico and Canada. They're both talking about legalizing at least one part of the drug thing, which is the part we advocate for, marijuana. Our two neighbors are, Mexico has done it already, and Canada is on the verge of doing it, of legalizing marijuana completely. Nice. Well, Eugene, we've got our next um, our next special guest on the line, um, and I want to just let everybody know who this is. This is Jeremy Duvall. Um, shortly after my father uh, went to prison and my mom went to prison and uh, they raided in the 2011 raids, uh, there's about 90 of them across the whole nation. Well, um, the attacks were really um, since a lot of them were centered in Michigan, in Montana. Um, there was quite a bit in Washington, not quite as many as in Michigan and Montana. And there's a few out in California and just all over the, the medical marijuana states across the nation. So um, his family was swept up in those raids. Um, and his father and him went to jail. His sister stayed free. His sister's a big advocate. In fact, she's been on our show. She she advocates for her dad and her family as much as she can, and she's been on our show in the past. Well, Jeremy went to prison, and just recently he got sentenced to five years, and his dad went to went for ten, and Jeremy just recently got out. So he hasn't um, probably been able to see his dad in at least five years from now, and probably just communication behind bars or since he's been out of bars. Um, and just um, his father just went to um, solitary confinement, and in the last two weeks or so, um, the only information he's gotten about his father is, is in investigation. And in the last two weeks, he has not been able to um, get any letters from his father, so he's very concerned. So we're going to talk to Jeremy a little bit about how his freedom is holding up um, on his end and about what his dad is going through and how it's affecting him and his family and what we can do to help um, if, 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 if we want to take that next step. So um, let's just talk to Jeremy. Good morning, Jeremy. Um, Good morning. I've met morning. you um, from behind bars. We became friends um, from behind bars, and it's nice yeah, to talk uh, to you. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys today? We're just trying to figure out what solitary confinement is all about. <laughs> but we're doing well, good. Uh, okay. Yeah, like you said a minute ago, I haven't spoke to my dad here or any uh, no letters in about two weeks. We were talking on the phone times a week and, you know, with our letters and stuff like that. But uh, he was put in the shoe around April 8th. That was the last time I had any uh, communication with him over core links or uh, telephone, and like I said, I haven't had no letters in about, see, about two weeks now. Wow. Two so, weeks now. So kinda... you you called, the, you called the prison a couple days ago, and they told you they yep. were investigating. And Did they t- say anything else just other than he's in, in solitary confinement? Yeah, they just told us that he, he, there was an investigation that was still continuing, and that's all they could tell us at the time. They said he was in good health, but uh, other than that, they said that 
on the letter part, they said he, he, either he's out of stamps or he don't feel like he wants to write letters, which uh, I don't know. That don't seem like my dad, you know. I know. Yeah. So, so I don't know oh, he's wow. going a lot of stress or, you know, with his health. Kind of concerned about his health, too, you know, because he had a kidney and uh, pancreas transplant in uh, 2009. So and I know he's got to have his anti-rejection medication. Uh, I think we should so. make some phone calls. I think we should make some phone calls to the medical part of the prison and tell them that we're just doing a status check on on him and find out what it say. Tell me your family member, and you want to you want to know. And they may or may not tell you. Some prisons will, some prisons won't. But I think we definitely need to start calling calling the medical part of the prison. Um, now, when you tell me your dad had a pancreatic and a kidney um, transplant, the other host was Joe Eugene Fisher. What, what, what father, what prison is your dad in right now? It's a medical prison, but I don't remember which one. He's in Devons, Massachusetts. Devons, Massachusetts. Okay, Eugene Fisher. Oh, yeah, that, is, that is a medical facility. Yeah, medical, medical yeah, center, yep. Eugene was in a medical facility for a couple years, and so he kind of, he was in prison for 25 years, and so he kind of knows a little bit about um, being on lockdown in in the medical facility. Um, Eugene, what do you think is is what what do you think might be going on here? Do you think maybe they're denying his access to mail or not to mail, but to letters and uh, pens and paper? Oh, I I know I know that can happen. <laughs> it's not a matter of speculation. They will deny you. Uh, it's prison within prison, and uh, it, it can as as. Uh, as was just said, it can be that you can be there under investigation. They don't even have to tell you what 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 it's all about, and that the investigation can go on as long as they deem fit. And uh, it, it's pretty it's pretty miserable. Oh wow! So what do you think, Eugene? You think phone calls to the prison, uh, the medical department in the prison, just to kind of do a check on them? Do you think that would um, they would give us the information? It never hurts to call. It never hurts to petition. It never, in fact, it's positive because it makes the it makes the prison authorities realize that prisoners have other people behind them. That there right. is other. Who, who care about what's happening? So yes, it's very it's very positive always, even though we don't see the results directly. Um, Jeremy, have you um, have you um, sent your dad any letters or anything like that, and just still got no response? Yeah, yeah, I've been sending him. A le- I sent him a letter see a couple of days ago, still no response. I've been sending him a letter probably about three or four times a week. Okay. And I put, um, so I put I, I've his got books, books too. Okay, I've got your dad's. Um, go ahead, Jeremy. Sorry. I, I said I sent him money too because I was kind of concerned. I said, well, maybe they took his money out for his fines because I know he was only wanting us to send him like twenty dollars at a time to keep his uh, FRP payments down to uh, the bare minimum. So I said, well, maybe he, maybe they took his money out for the fines and maybe he's uh, not don't got any money. So I sent some extra money but uh and i told him the letters you know that i you know i sent you some money so you can get some stamps you know we want to hear from you give us a at least write us a letter because we're all concerned about you you know so i've got your dad's um your dad's in the information pulled up here 
at the Fed, from the Federal Bureau of Prisons, um, Gerald Lee Duvall. And it, if, if this is given to people, you know, while he is in lockdown, let's try to, if you're listening, you know, get a pen and a piece of paper out because I'm about to give you the address. So you can send him a card just so that he knows that you, you guys are thinking about him during his time of um, being in the shoe. Um, his name is spelled G-E-R-A-L-D, middle name L-E-E, capital D-U-V-A-L. His BOP register number is 10717-050. He is located at Devon's FMC. And that address is in the mail, uh, Federal Medical Center. So put FMC Devon's. Put his name and his register number, then FMC Devins, and then on the next line, Federal Medical Center, P.O. Box 879, Ayer, that's A-Y-E-R, comma, Massachusetts, M-A for short. Zip code is 01432. And, Jeremy, I'm going to get, like, a little, little image made up for your dad so that we can probably try to generate some mail to him. Okay. So that at least he knows he's not alone while he's back there, and then hopefully they'll give him all his mail. We were we, we were talking about the details about solitary confinement earlier, and Eugene was um, telling us how they can restrict part of your mail or all of your mail even, so he may not even be getting it. Yeah, they may have done that because oh. we we've still been working on our case and we've been filing a lot of uh, freedom of information requests, and I I know we've been kind of corresponding, you know, back and forth about the case so maybe they could have uh cut us out you know from the you know from the mail i think they would do that too i have no doubt in my mind yep. that that's not true that sounds like something they would do <laughs> yeah so if i put them on lockdown to punish him for doing it i don't know i don't know um i'm really worried for your dad i know when my dad when my dad fell off the face of the earth i would just be so tormented and scared I just cannot imagine what you're feeling right now. How is your mom yeah. and your sister? Yeah, I know. It's uh it's it, you know, it's tough, you know. Not especially not having any contact now. How how is my mom my mom and sister they're they're doing fine. That's you good. know, they they worry about them. Now we're all worrying about them, so hopefully we can hear from them here pretty soon and hopefully this investigation is over pretty soon and he can get out of the shoe and you know, we can have uh, communication back. And I'm going to try to wow. get out there and visit him pretty soon. And I'm going to try to get out there in June to see him, you know, because I haven't seen him since uh, November 4th, 2012. So it's been, four, you know, going on four years, a little over four years. Man, I haven't seen my dad for yeah. four years either. It's killing me. I know how it feels to not be able to see your yep. dad. Like, it just, it's just tormenting. Like, I just wish he could be here and not not um in there like a raft, I guess you could call it. Um, so how are you doing? Are you still on um on probation and are you doing okay with it? Yes. Yes, I'm still on uh probation. I got the my probation officer's out of Ann Arbor, Michigan and she seemed like a pretty nice lady and pretty sympathetic about her case. I told her our whole story how everything happened and um she told me that I would be expecting to be on it for anywhere from 12 to 16 months. And I, they gave me four years originally. So, I mean, everything is going good. I'm following the rules, you know. Yeah, my mom, I'll just let you know, my mom, she got four years. And after two, they just got her, let her off of probation too. So 
if 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 your probation officer is on your side like that, my mom's wasn't really care about any. My mom's probation officers didn't really care that much, but it, she should she should let you early. That would be really nice. I'm telling you, it's so it yeah. feels so much free not to have them in in her life no more, and to just be free of them completely. It just we're not free of them completely, but it feels good. It just really feels good. Yeah, because it can be a pain. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, um, Jeremy, I'm going to thank you for calling into our show, and I'm going to help by getting a image with your dad's address and your dad's story a little bit on it, and then um, I'll probably get that done maybe today by tomorrow at the latest, and we'll get it launched out there so we can start generating some mail for your dad. And in the meantime, if you want to call the prison tomorrow and talk to the medical staff, um, first and find out what they say and if you don't get anywhere I'm willing to, to call as well as maybe an outside source maybe they'll tell somebody who's not family but I think you know I, to me I feel like they, they torment family when family likes to call because my dad was in the medical for so long like I always called and they didn't like that so um, if they're nice to you and they give you the information you want um, then that's good if not let me know and I will call and if that don't work, we can get a whole bunch of people to call us if you want that to happen. But um, yes, let's just start off with so, seeing uh, what they tell Okay. I think if you put some heat on them and okay. some pressure on them, you know they're more liable to give a response. Right. And anything you want to, like if you wanted to put pressure on the actual prison for, you know, why he's on lockdown, that type of stuff, you know, we can always devise a plan to help in that way too. But also, with your dad being on lockdown, it also might put him in jeopardy. So it's something to think about, but yet, or getting a, a communication with your dad open because he's disappeared, okay. like literally. Yeah. So I will, I'll try calling there again tomorrow and see what they say. Okay. Okay. So. Well, I'm feeling your pain, Jeremy, because nobody should have to be like in prison for a plan and then be on lockdown and then have to be in a medical prison because your health isn't very good anyway. Like uh, yep. just and your dad, I know your dad is a good dad, and he should be home with his yeah, kids. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yep. For sure. Yep. Whole whole thing right, kind well, of been like a nightmare, you. you know. So thank you, Kristen and uh, Eugene, for having me. I'll call in. Thank Eugene, you. Eugene, is there anything you want to say say to Jeremy before we go? No, Jer- Jeremy, I, I just we're with you. We understand the circumstances and. Um, the suffering the family goes through, uh, Godspeed. Yep. Well, thank you for the support, you guys. All right. Bye, Jeremy. All right. Have a good day. We'll see you. You Bye. too. You too. Bye. Whew. That was, that was POW, and he's still on probation, so we call him a POW, not an ex-POW, Jeremy Duvall. Um, whose family has just been tortured through these raids and, and put through everything um, for a plant. Just for a plant. All right, well, I see that Mindy is screening a call, Eugene, but she is basic. She is our next guest. Um, Mindy is going to be giving us an update <clears throat> about our prisoners that she's been communicating with, and she has a person that she did an interview with by the name of Angelica Prey, She's going to tell us a little bit about Angelica's brother, who's been on solitary confinement for five years. And Mindy gave us a, um, a song that she she um, downloaded that Angelica wrote for her brother. So we're going to find out more about solitary confinement because she went online and found out some facts about more facts about it. So 
we're going to find out a lot more from Mindy about what um, is going on. Good morning, Mindy. Good morning, Kristen. Good morning, Eugene. Oh, and Good morning. Mindy is also the producer of the show. <laughs> Thank you, Kristen. Um, well, before we get into the solitary, I wanted to really quick give a big, huge shout out to Chad Latham. He, um, yes, he got um, a commutation from the president last November and um, on King 5 News there in Seattle and both KGW, that's Channel 8 here in Portland, they ran a story about him and they did a great job with it. It was beautiful. They showed how well he's doing. And even though I had seen the story online from Seattle when I was sitting in my own living room watching the news and then I saw his face on TV, I literally just started to cry. It was beautiful. So um, I highly recommend it. People check it out. You can find it on either news source if you look look him up online. So um, anyway, congratulations to him and his family and, and all that. He had a great amount of support, and that makes a huge difference. Um, and Chad is from <laughs> Washington. But I just want to point out, while he they were freeing him, they were persecuting um, Lance Glore in Tacoma, Washington. So, in my opinion, they just kind of swapped one freedoms out for the other. But well, and Ch- Chad was was a Tacoma resident, but he was a prisoner here in Oregon, Sheridan. So here we uh, are, yeah. you know. Legal legal weed in Oregon, and we still have inmates um, that we're paying for and that are suffering in Sheridan, and you know, like such as Piers Baker. So, um, yeah, I um, I hear you, Kristen. It's, it's we're not done. <laughs> um, I, um, as in regards to the solitary confinement, um, I've seen statistics of everywhere, every everything from over eighty thousand citizens, that's men, women, and children in the United States estimated to be in some sort of solitary confinement. Um, I also have seen over 7% of the federal inmates are in solitary confinement. So if there's over uh, over 210,000 federal inmates and 7%, if I'm even getting my numbers right, I mean, that's that's a lot of people. Um, yeah, and I think that you guys painted a really good picture of what solitary looks like. I mean, it's just a little tiny block with a, a a metal door and and a bed and a toilet, and that's it. That's what you got. Um, and and it, you don't even have to do anything that serious to get thrown into solitary. And then people who have mental illnesses tend to be about a third of those who end up in solitary. And so, of course, their mental illness is just going to get worse, which means that it's perpetuating the issues, which means that they're going to get stuck there even longer. And it's just a big, huge mess. And then some of these people get released right from solitary confinement to the quote-unquote real world. And I can't imagine how noisy this world must be to somebody who's been in prison for a while in prison in solitary and then get sent out to this? I mean, that, the the long-term um, effects to the community both are, are just, it's very, it's a social issue that we really need to be paying more attention to. Um, 
long term the effects of long term solitary confinement are major. They can have visual and auditory hallucinations, hypersensitivity to noise, um, to being touched. Could you imagine desperately wanting to be touched and then not being able to handle that at the same time? Um, Insomnia, paranoia, uncontrollable fear and rage, um, uh, distorted time and perception. This was touched on increased risk of suicide. That's huge. And that's a a personal passion of mine. My um, first husband suicided. 15 years ago, just this month. Um, and he actually was in prison in California, um, not during his suicide, but um, I know that his incarceration affected his life greatly, and um, and they didn't help him with his issues and the reasons why he went to prison in the first place, which contributed to the suicide in the long run. Um, and then post-traumatic stress disorder, all those things describe PTSD really well. This is torture that we're doing. Um, The UN has said that it's torture. In 2011, they did a special um, report, and they warned that solitary solitary confinement can amount to torture or cruel, inhumane, or degrading treatment and punishment when used as a punishment. It is frowned upon. It's not acceptable. There are lots of organizations out there who are starting to bring attention to solitary confinement. I encourage people to Google them and look that up. And then if, if, if you don't care about all the human aspects of it, it costs us more. It's expensive. <laughs> if you house a prisoner, statistically, um, it costs about $57 a day to house an inmate in federal normal facilities. Medium security is 69 High security is 78 to $93 a day. With, um, for a prisoner in a segregated housing unit, for administrative costs and all the other things, it's at least a minimum of $260 a day per inmate. So, Mindy, was so, there in solitary that means they can't go to work for the government for 12 cents an hour. No, nope, they so get the a government isn't job. making any money off of them, and we're paying more. It's it, wow. and, and they're getting sicker, and they're killing themselves, and they're going crazy. And um, if they were already ill, they're getting iller. They have re- reduced amounts of medical services, just like everybody described. And then you know, I mean, it's just terrible. So um, researching all this stuff about solitary confinement, I, um, and I did so partly because a lady named Angelica Prey, she's um, from here in Portland. She's a singer and songwriter out here. She is also a uh, volunteer for an organization called Oregon Prison Project, which teaches nonviolent communication classes in five of the prisons here in Oregon. Um, so she goes into the women's facility at Coffee Creek and, and teaches these nonviolent communication courses. It's really a beautiful thing. Um, her spirit is amazing. And she reached out because her brother has been, had been, he's not currently, but he's been in solitary confinement for approximately six of the 10 years that he's served. Wow. And um, 
he has apparently handled it incredibly well. And she's, um, you know, and she kept, she kept in communication with him. She wrote to him and I, uh, I did an interview with her yesterday. That's going to air on KBU here in Portland on June 13th, I believe at 6:30. I highly recommend people check it out. Her, she's got a beautiful voice, both to listen to talking as well as to singing. And then she wrote a song for her brother and I would really like to play it right now. And Yay! This is, this is Angelica Prey, and it's called A Poem for My Brother. But I 
Angelica Prey, and if you'd like to hear more of her music, I, uh, you can find her on Facebook, and also, again, check out the show on KBU, um, there will be some more of her music on there as well. Cool. Uh, Mindy, do you have any other updates regarding any prisoners or anything that you want to let our listeners know about? Um, well, I did ha- want to give a shout out to some prisoners um, in Arizona. They are part of Cardiac Leatherworks, and they sent me a beautiful piece of art that they did. Um, And I posted a picture of it on my Facebook page today. And so I did want to make sure and say something about them. They they, um, know Chris Martin, and because of knowing Chris Martin, they sent me this art. So I thought that was really kind of them. Oh, Oh, that is sweet. My core length is going mad because Stephanie Landa has done her magic again. So uh, She's on I'm the getting, line. She is on the line. So, um, yeah, I think we should talk to Stephanie about all the reason why getting all these messages. Tell her, tell her about all your messages. Hold on, here she is. Hi. Um, Stephanie Landa. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> how are you guys? I love hearing that, Mindy, of course. Yes, I mean, they like, um, they are very thrilling. They're very humble to buy it. I mean, the first gift was exciting and humbling, but you know, when they keep when when you still pay attention, it still sends them gifts from Freedom Grow, and they're just like, holy moly, really? Nuh-uh. <laughs> you know, um, so they, I mean, Paul Free, I think, is going to be getting some. Uh, some books so that he could teach other people in prison things. And I mean, so there are all kinds of wonderful things are happening because of all the people that came to you and because you and your dedication. And I just think it's fabulous. So for our, listeners, fabulous. Um, for our listeners, what what's so fabulous? What did you do? Okay. So, um, yeah, I think it's fabulous, too, that all these people are getting money that I don't know or that I do know. And over the years that I've become friends with, these are people that don't have any money and they're in jail for pot. And they're our heroes. They're people that are doing time for us so we don't have to do any time. So, oh. yeah, I've been getting thank you letters. And, you know, every day I think, oh, my God, this is so wonderful. And it's not me. I could not do this without everyone out there because everyone's giving me money to do this. It's not like, oh, I just hit the lotto and I can do this and it's all fun and games. It's really you people out there that give me the money and then I could put it on somebody's books. It's like it's just such a good thing and it makes me feel so good. And most of the money that comes that is not does not come from the high times – I have to give a a shout-out to all the people that are under 30 because that money, like $500, just came from Tim, who is 23. And from Primal Drop, they're young kids, and they gave me $100. And So Dank gave me $100, and they're all under 30. People that are giving me money in between the cups are people that 
realize, oh, wow, this could be me. And so the older folks, folks, I didn't mean to say folks, really sorry. The older folks (laughs) have not really stepped up to the plate. Not even the ones that have been in prison that I have sent things to that could stand up. Just saying. Okay. So you're saying that the younger generation... You're saying that the younger generation is holding it down for our plant prisoners. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. That's I, don't so think, cool. I, I know I could count the donations I've gotten from anybody over 40 or from any former prisoners that have been taken care of that are not – maybe they're taking care of other prisoners. But I'm just saying that people – over 40, don't really, they're not putting their hands in their pockets. That's what I'm saying. And, and there's, a lot, of, there's, there's there, a lot of prisoners who are over 40. Yeah, and I'm not giving a not shout out to those people. I'm just giving a shout out to the people under 30. I think that people don't give them enough credit. That's all I'm saying. Well, really. it's a, the prisoners are, a lot of prisoners are over 40. So, you know, maybe they're, they're, you know, their peers would be about the same age as they are. Maybe they just don't know as much as the younger generation or they're not paying attention as much as the younger generation. I don't know, but we need everybody. So if everybody wants to um, donate to the prisoner's commissary money, Stephanie, how do they do it? They should put $4.20 on freedomgrow.org. And let's see how fast that could add up because that might do it. You know, it's like not, it's it's really just don't have Starbucks today. You know, that that would be probably what it would take. So that's right. my little rant. My kid, an update on my kid. My kid is doing better. He's adapted. He's decided, yes, I'm here. I'll make the best of it. And he got his commissary a couple of days ago, which made things, or a week ago, which made things a lot better for him. You know, he wrote to me and said, I got to go to the store finally. And, yes, this is much better. So, you know, that's from him. Oh, and also I want everybody to know I never send anybody else's money to my kid. I have him taken care of. He left money to take care of him. So I just want, you know, you to know that, like, you're not just giving to my kid. I mean, I don't want people Mm -hmm. to think that. (laughs) Well, you know what I mean. I know what you mean. I did that with my mom when I was raising money for all the other prisoners. I always labeled my mom's money with my own money, not the money I raised for for the other prisoners. I I feel you. Right. Yeah. So I just want everybody to know that I want to be like that. And we are going to do both weekends at Chalice and High Times. So if you go to either event on 710, there will be slushies. Come get them. And And how much are the slushies? Yeah, from what I understand, uh, Stephanie, 100% of the profits go to the prisoner's commissary? Yes. Oz and Dr. Gina and Jason Beck, they donate everything that it takes to do the booth, like the medication, the slushies, the uh, the machines, everything. And then so 100% oh. of the money goes on their books. Yeah. Oz has been oh, really supportive. Oh, cool. They're, they were and they're the only dispensary that stepped up like this on a steady basis. Like a lot of people donate, but I'm talking about like month to month to month to month because wow. our pop prisoners are in there month to month to month to month. 
I sound they like are a amazing. I'm so sorry. They are amazing people. Those people are so amazing. They're like the best dispensary ever, 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 ever for doing that. I know. It's beautiful. Pacuzer Angels. You know, yes, they, they are. Really, wow. Because they feel it. You know, I go there every day and they feel it. They feel that, oh, my God. And the letters. I read the letters out loud that I get. And people are crying <laughs> in the dispensary. You know, like, it's just like, because the prisoners are so grateful. It's like, really, they hit the lottery when they send me thank you notes. That $100 is like millions of dollars to them. It's just like. So, so Stephanie, other other dispensary owners and other store owners wanted to do this. Like, it would be a tax write-off, and they could they could help prisoners and set an example as well. Um, how would they get a hold of you, your phone number or your email address if, if an if actual store okay, wanted my, to do something? My phone number is 818-652-7891. And letfreedomgrow.org is the website. And you can actually donate and push a button that says month after month, you know, if you want to do it that oh. way. And then yeah. um, I'm always available at Oz, WeHo, in West Hollywood practically every day. So I'm easy to get a hold of. I'm at High Times, I'm at Chalice, I'm, I'm everywhere. Like, you can't miss me. I'll talk to anybody. Call me. Nobody ever calls me, but call me. I answer <laughs> my phone. You know, I know. Everybody <laughs> always goes, why do you give out your phone number? I'm like, it doesn't matter. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm kind of jazzed because you know I'm living on this week's letter of my kid not freaking out anymore. He's like, you know, although he has said things like politically it's crazy in there, like the politics in state prison are crazy. He doesn't even like his own race anymore. He thinks that they're very petty <laughs> and violent. And, no, oh man, you know it's. I know. Too bad he has and he said that. That's and he can't cool. talk to any other race because of the politics. So it's it's you know prison. One sentence that he said that just keeps ringing in my ear. He keeps saying, "I'm not made for this, mom." And I keep thinking, "I know we all love pot. That's why we're there. We're all not made for this." You know, the only no. crime we'd ever do, which shouldn't even be a crime, and it's ridiculous and. On and on and on. And I love you guys. Your show is great. I listen to it on the internet after it's over. And it's just great. I mean, I end up laughing, crying. It's just it's a great show. You guys are just great. Great. I love, love Mindy. You, Mindy helped me so much. Like, she gave me the list oh. and all the, all the numbers that I had to send to. Because, I mean, not that I'm complaining even one little bit. But it's a lot of work to just get the postal money orders out, you know, much less. Right. And now yeah. I need more names because in between, Secret Sesh just gave me $500, and each of those other people gave me 100 each, Primal Drop and So Dang. So now I have oh. seven more $100 that I can send out. Stephanie, I got so one What? Stephanie, can you send I said to, I got um, Jerry Duvall? Can you send some to Jerry Duvall? His son was... Oh, go ahead. Oh, yes. Definitely. Just like give me His the list again on seven names that we didn't send them to because, okay. of course, it was just last week that we sent them. 
Yeah, his, so his son was I just on and run out of names. I will put that name on the list and get you the rest of those names later today, Steph. Okay, thank you, and I'll get them out tomorrow. Oh, thank you. Oh, my God. What? So exciting. So exciting. It's so exciting. Well, Stephanie, do you have anything? Or Eugene, do you want to say anything to Stephanie before we go? Uh, I love you, Eugene. But you're appreciated for everything you do, Stephanie. Thank you for that, for the for getting the commissary funds out there. Yeah, I got your two friends too last time, Kenny okay. and and somebody else. Okay, so, cool. Yeah, I think that, you know, this program works. I'm really glad that I get to administrate it because, you know, of course it gives me all those karma points, and I love that, but, you know, it's because of everybody else that I get to do it. So thank you, everybody. everybody. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, have thank a you. great have nice... rest of your show. Talk to you next you week. Talk you. to you later, Mindy. Bye. I think she's off. I think she got off. All oh. right, bye-bye. Okay. Okay. All right, you guys, now we're going to go. We're going to go. That was um, Stephanie Landa from Freedom Grow. Um, I mean, I don't know what better of a cause to give to um, than plant prisoners, especially if you're in the cannabis community. So if you're listening, please go help Stephanie ASAP, help her help the prisoners because they barely make any money while they're back there and cannot afford their own things. And we just can't leave them stranded, left hanging, without without the proper things to take care of themselves because that could be you and you wouldn't want that to happen and wouldn't want us to forget about you. So please remember them. It's Sunday give, give, give to the prisoners. So next we're going to hear from Tom Corby. Tom Corby was a defendant at one point, facing time, him and his wife, and he was so inspired to not go to jail for a plant that he started uh, with a group called the Human Solution International, and he is their chapter coordinator for the Northern California, and he coordinates court support. And Tom gets out He's been following a few cases over and over and over, and he gets the people in his community to show up at the courtrooms and to get together, and he gets them to write cards to the prisoners, and he does so much prison outreach. He's such a great person to get the news from. So we're going to hear from him right now about what is going on this week in Northern California. Good morning, Tom. Uh, Thank you, Christian, Eugene. I'm Mindy. Uh, always all the folks on the front line uh, coming together in unity. Uh, we put our rifts aside. Uh, together we stand. Divided we fall. Uh, our goal and vision uh, with the Human Solution International, uh, with LetFreedomGrow.org and POW420s is to finally deschedule cannabis, not reschedule. We all know that the Controlled Substance Act in 1996 was illegal in the first place. No schedule. Uh, in Northern California, uh, <laughs> there's so much going on, and I'm, and I'm not a man of brevity because we have so much to say. Uh, when we talk about solitary confinement, uh, I think of the cold steel rail Floyd talked about when I was in there for two days. Uh, I could expound on my own case with Dr. 
Donna Howe and Butte County uh, on February 29, 2012. I was awakened 7 o'clock in the morning, rolled out of bed, handcuffed on the floor, and my shorts freezing, and I can't hear. They wouldn't let me even get my hearing aids. I couldn't hear. They wouldn't let me get dressed. They hustled me down through my man cave, that they called it, upstairs, where they plopped me down the seat, still in my underwear, cold, with Donna, my wife Donna there, and Rick Philby, one of my collective members. When you go through this, uh, there's nothing more grueling. Uh, when they spent six hours here searching and violating their own place, when they finally, when they finally realized they were taking us to jail, uh, and I got booked. And one thing you want to be careful once you get booked, you're going to see a psychiatrist. She's going to ask you, do you have uh, tendencies to kill yourself? Uh, and I basically, uh, I said, well, after what I just went through here, uh, that's certainly possible. Well, no, I shouldn't have said that. That just gave an excuse to, to take me in, have me strip, and bear it, and put me in a, in a straight jacket that only went down to my waist. <sighs> Threw me into solitary, had me bear it. Embarrassing. I told the guard, I said, I sure as hell wouldn't want your job. <sighs> I was only supposed wow. to be in solitary I was only supposed to be in solitary a day. Uh, they kept me in there two days, freezing to death. They, they deliberately make it cold. And you're in there, everything's cold. The beds, the cold steel rail, the walls. And you, you're sitting out. If you have to take a dump, you're sitting right out there in the open. Everybody can just look in. It's very, it's very inhumane and cruel treatment. Uh, we fought our case thanks to all the help and court support from the Human Solution and all our friends coming to support us. Uh, court support is so important not only to stand and stand behind your back so you're defended, but to bear witness to the injustice that's going on inside these courtrooms. Uh, it's just incomprehensible what's going on. And we always say follow the money. And they've got to keep their jobs. This is what they're doing. Uh, we fought our case basically for three years. We were both up for 14 years, interstate commerce. We got a ship, if you remember right. Uh, thankfully, it turned out she only shipped two and a half ounces to Paulette Sellinger in Florida. This turned out to actually embarrass the courts in Butte County here. Uh, they finally released me, uh, freed me after uh, almost three years. And uh, once they did, we filed and told Solana, when you, once you get a case dismissed, you get acquittals, you want to file your injunctions and lawsuits with the civil attorneys like Matt Pappas, uh, Charnel James here in Yuba City. Uh, we filed our injunctions and cut to the chase. We actually got our property back. Uh, and uh, we actually had a big win here in Butte County. We set a huge precedence. We 
pulls finer shipping down where Donna sent the box. Uh, so Donna just had to take uh, uh, just a cultivation, one cultivation charge, uh, probation, as she's almost off probation now, We're trying to get her off early and pay off. And, uh, excuse me, I just... I can't talk anymore about my case. Uh, Shelby Lucero uh, had her uh, trial assignment conference uh, this last Wednesday. Uh, excuse me. Uh, she's going on to two uh, trial uh, readiness conference on July 7th, uh, 8.30 p.m. Excuse me. Uh, that's the 720 court uh I'm thinking of Butte County here. Uh, 27th, uh, 729th Street, uh, Sacramento. Uh, so put that on your calendar. And we always say local 50-mile radius court support, always appreciated. And when we have jury trial selection, will come a long ways once those jurors are picked. Uh, code of conduct and dress code of conduct goes a long ways when those jurors are there. Shelby's going on, taking them on to trial. More people need to do that, like Alex Lyons here and Nick Moran, uh, taking taking them on to trial. More people who do that. We would have ended the war a long time ago. Most people plea bargain. Uh, they don't understand. It screws them. Uh, so we, our mindset is uh, always take them on to trial. Uh, we have a real sad situation here up in Shasta County. Uh, a blue, uh, James Mobley, uh, he's with a medicine for, can- uh, medicine for military. He's, he's huge up in Shasta County. Uh, he got busted again uh, Friday. Uh, he's in jail and uh, he has this arraignment at 8 a.m. Uh, this Monday morning, tomorrow morning, uh, at 1655 West Street Annex in uh, Redding, California. Uh, come, if you can, for court support. Uh, we're having a rally at noon on the courts at House Steps, 1500 Court Street, uh, right there in Redding. If you can come and stand your ground for blue. Uh, also, uh, in Butte County here, we have uh, an extension on no one may drag. What's that say? Basically, it takes our growing rights away. Uh, Butte County supervisors uh, here uh, just aren't don't have ears to hear. Uh, if we voted our right in to have our our medicine, we worked and formed a committee. Uh, they they reneged on us. Uh, the wall of defiance. Larry Wall just too. Uh, he, he he always brings out. When he talks, it's a Schedule One drug, and, and and so our goal and vision here, with all these uh, referendums, initiatives, and legalizations, are simply steps to deschedule cannabis and prohibition and free all our POWs. This is our bottom line goal and vision. I think everybody can agrees that no one should go to jail for our plant. And uh, uh, R.I.P. to Richard Floor. Uh, Christian, mm-hmm. uh, 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 such a sad thing to go through when kids are involved and uh, how it disrupts lives and families. So I want to thank everybody today. Uh, come and join us. Uh, help 
Eat a solution to have cold vision. Uh, and always don't forget to breathe. <laughs> it really helps. Uh, thank you all today. Anything else, Kristen? Thank you, Tom. Yes, I'm here. Thank I'm you. listening. Thank you very much. We love you. And thank you for telling us your story. It meant a lot. And so I felt you I felt with my heart. Okay, thank you too. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. All right, that that was Tom Tom Corby um, with his story. Um, he hasn't really came on our show and told a lot about his arrest and what happened with him. And I didn't even know he was on solitary confinement. So um, thank you, Tom. We love you. And if you're in Northern California, please look him up and find out what you can do to help people hit people in his area out of prison and what you can do to help the prisoners. His last name is Corby, K-O-R-B-Y. Well, you guys, uh, Mindy and Eugene, I think we are about done with the show. Um, I just want to say a a little bit, uh, I just want to give an update on Richard DeLisi. Um, He's a man who is serving his 28th year in a state prison in Florida. And just recently, um, Richard DeLisi put out a cry out for help because they had moved him to being in in the part of the prison where there's older people not very many cigarettes. Well, they moved into where there's a lot of music and a lot of younger generations smoking cigarettes, and he had asthma. He was going through a hard time. So we started to launch a project to help get him moved. However, they moved them on, moved him on his own. Um, he spent the whole day after he got moved um, cleaning up his cell. He does not like his cellmate. He's dirty. He's gross, and he's smoking cigarettes in the cell. So. Um, poor poor um, Richard is still suffering the cigarettes. However, he's not around to allow music anymore. He's happier there. So he spent the whole day cleaning, and he said the cell was a torturous mess. Um, and it was terrible. And I'm getting ready to launch a flyer with his address on it. So if you can please flood Richard DeLisi with cards, just to let him know you're thinking about him because it is his 28th year in prison. Nobody should be in prison for a plant, period. Um, so check, look for my look for my uh, image to come out in the next two, two day, couple days on my Facebook wall, also launch on the Voices of the Cannabis War wall. On that flyer will be a phone number for the governor. Please call the governor and tell him to free this this man. Tell him cannabis is legal now and just get over it. Let free Richard DeLisi. So um, now, Eugene, I'm going to put your on. And Mindy, is there anything that you guys want to say before we close out the show? Nope, just Keep fighting, everybody. We're not done yet. Okay, cool. Eugene, what about you? Well, I just want to say with Tom Kirby, I think it was a very fitting ending to our show today when he talked about what happened to him and his incarceration. And I want to emphasize one thing. It's dehumanizing. It It makes the soul of the person almost crumble, what they do. Uh, everything from stripping you naked to putting you, uh, isolating you from other people, uh, to not allowing you to have any kind of communication like emails or letters or phone calls. Those are all things done, and it's all part of a, I call it torture. It's part of the torture of what occurs in incarceration. The inhumane system we, we in the United States have I'm not talking about some foreign countries. Right here in our own country, 
we complain about what other countries do in their prison systems, we have a horrible, horrible thing in our own system. For that, I will end the show and my comments on it. Thank you, Eugene. Thank you. Thanks, Mindy. Thanks, Eugene. Thanks, CCHI, for giving us this platform so, so we can have a voice. Um, thanks to Becca Nichols, who screens our calls um, every couple weeks or so, and to all the listeners and every single guest that came on our show and every single prisoner who cannot be here to hear the show. Um, we want you all freed. Um, with that said, we got to take the time out because it's Sunday, and it's, it's the time on Sundays for us to think about the people that cannot be here, the people that this war has basically killed um, in many different ways, on diff- many different levels. So first, I'm going to say rest in peace to some people here, and then I'm going to ask you guys to help us in prohibition. Um, but first, I want to say rest in peace to Richard Four, who was my father, who... Um, who basically died for the plant. He owned dispensaries. They went to prison. They tortured him in prison, tortured him to death. In fact, I have a, we have a wrongful death lawsuit against a private prison that took my dad out. Um, and that's a, that's a very active lawsuit going on right now um, because you shouldn't have to die in prison the way they make our people die in prison. And when he died, they, they chained him to a bed, and I had to take him off life support. And I didn't even know he was chained to the bed until they, after they took the covers off of him. That should never happen to another daughter or son or wife or family member ever. You should not be called to your family's death to just see him chained to a bed. That's not appropriate. Not in the United States of America. It's just not. That's not humane. I also want to say rest in peace to Gary Shepard, who was shot down by the federal government 21 years ago. Not just Gary, but his soulmate, Mary Jane Jones, was shot down as well. She's holding their son, baby Jake. Okay, Mary, Gary, Gary Shepard died that day. Mary Jane Jones lived another 21 years. She just recently died from cancer. So rest in peace to Mary and Gary. Also rest in peace to Jack Herrer, who taught us about the plant. There's a book called Emperor Wears No Clothes. And I urge everybody to go out right now and get the book. Read it. Find out about the conspiracy. Find out about why the government don't want you to know the plant is good. Find out all the history of how the plant helped us as well. Also, I'm going to urge you guys to get Peter McWilliams' book. And rest in peace to Peter McWilliams, who passed away while he was serving probation. He couldn't have the plant, and the plant helped him with his nausea. And rumors have it that Peter choked over his vomit um, and passed away that way but I'm not certain on the details, but please get his books. He left behind. He's not just a civil rights leader for the plant, but for all, all other, other things out there as well. He left behind some very inspirational books, uh, how you can treat um, your, your pain and your suffering and how you can live a better life. Um, one was dealing with death that helped me through my father's death. Also, we want to say rest in peace to Bill Lamorte, who was one of our prisoners who was serving a life sentence for cannabis. And on the 4th of July, after about his 20th year in prison, Eugene Fisher was in prison with him and said that he grabbed his heart in the prison yard, and at that point he died from a major heart attack. We don't ever, ever, ever want to feel, forget Bill Amorte or the 20, 20 years incarceration that he gave to us and to our plant. Um, rest in peace, Bill. I'm also rest in peace to Larry Harvey, who was facing charges. His whole family was facing charges. They're known as the Kettle Falls Five. Larry died right in the middle of the war. 
rest in peace to him, and also D. Young for giving us Adam. Curtis Cecil, whose father called in today from prison, um, Craig lost his son Curtis through the middle of this war, and the prison system would not even let his father be there for him at his funeral or be there for him as a father because of the incarceration. That should never happen to a family. We also want to say rest in peace to Spencer Coptis and Cassie Hyde, who were two young children who were using the plant to cure their cancer. And it was working until the federal government, well, not necessarily the feds, um, Spencer's family was a state government that came through, raided the establishments that were providing them with the, the cannabis that was helping them, and they didn't get the cannabis. And in the meantime, their cancer grew, and the children passed away. Rest in peace also to Bernardo Puma Martinez, who was trying to end prohibition on a worldly level. He was trying to end prohibition through videos and through the word, the word of, of no one should go to jail for a plant. Also, rest in peace to Elaine Sammons, Elaine Sammons, who was an ONAC tribal member who was getting the medicine delivered through the post office. Well, the post office intercepted the package. Elaine was so sick, and the med, without having the meds, just sent her into even being more sicker, and she passed away. And also to Oscar, who was Eugene and George's friend, who was in prison with them, and they say that he went to FBI in the sky. And please help us in prohibition so our life prisoners, who we have over 50 of them, don't have to die in prison, period. And so nobody else has to die in prison, and everybody can return home to their families. Thank you for listening to this today's show, and have a beautiful Sunday. And while you have a beautiful Sunday, listen to this song. It's called No More War by Kushite. Black dancers, 
a peaceful revolution like the Black Panthers. Cause we got solutions, yup, the answer to cancer. But they still got it up on Schedule 1. Why? Cause they making funds off of federal runs. Selling American guns for drugs and Mexican slums. The fast and the furious, killing off our children. Time to make a stand and demand the mass hysteria. Kids education is growing more Funds spent for fly killing drones While CNN and Patriot commercials breed human drones from home Recording scripted terrorist training in places you can't visit So the real plan of extinction, you don't get it The country surrounding Israel, the holy land is now being N.W.O. committed The war is still trouble through the mind, the actions is how they get it Or should I say distract? They say it's oil, but it's deeper than that. It's just more smoke to the mirror, so I radiate more hope clearer. Shed tears for my peers, cause judgment day gets nearer. So I exercise a mightier than the sword. Use the pen to paint the lines with conscious mind the world can explore. So maybe you can find out why they bring us to war. I pray It 
your freedom and a heart that is filled for me and I will not let them take it away while you say we don't need it well it's easy for them to say well hold me tight don't let them put me away freedom I told I'd be free and walk away. I lost my freedom, babe. Well, you got your freedom and a heart that is filled for me. And I will not let them take it away. While you say we don't need it. Well, that's easy for them to Won't hold me tight, don't let them put me away Freedom, babe Well, you got your freedom And a heart that is still for me And I will not let them take it away Well, you say we don't need it well, that's easy for them to say Well, hold me tight Don't let them put me away Freedom, babe right, Thank you, Voices of the Cannabis War listeners For listening to that beautiful song um, and next week we'll play these rolls around me from Carrie Woosley. That's K A R E Y Lee Woosley. Thank you and have a good Sunday.